Marvelites, you are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 380. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jamie, a.k.a. Agent Moving. Yeah, and we've got another agent with us. I'm Agent Lorraine, which is not a good name to hide your name. Not very secret. Great job. There's more than one Lorraine, though. Also, people call me Lorraine Sink. Host of Earth's Mightiest Show. Yeah, and sometimes I'm on the Marvel Minute. Yeah, you are. Sometimes, but that's not why you're here this week. No, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But first, toppest of news is that there were two dope spots for Marvel Studios films during Sunday's big game. One for Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame and one for Marvel Studios Captain Marvel. Both are rad as heck and you can watch them on Marvel.com, our YouTube channels, probably everywhere there's a screen. And be sure to see Captain Marvel on March 8th and Avengers Endgame on April 26th. All of that you can see on themarvel.com. This episode is also our big, extravagant, pre-Happy Valentine's Day episode, uh, which I don't care about Valentine's Day. Me neither. I mean, I'm going to buy flowers for my wife, and she wants to have a steak. I'm engaged, so I care (laughs) about Valentine's Day now. I'm supposed to be podcasting with C.B. Cebulski on Valentine's Day. It's going to be very romantic. Uh, But because we are right before Valentine's Day, our big talk this episode will be about Marvel's romance comics of the 50s a bit, but also the 1940s. And we have an amazing guest, Trina Robbins. Uh, And our interview this episode is with WWE and NXT superstars Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. They are the best. Wonderful stuff. But now on to things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. And first up, the whole reason you're here, Lorraine, is because you got a dang book out. I did it. I wrote a book. (laughs) This book is just me with gorgeous, amazing, incredible illustrations by Alice X. Zhang. They are so beautiful. They're a little Alex Rossi to me, the way they're painted and colorful and so realistic looking. Beautiful illustrations. It was actually really cool when my editor and I were talking about this book and I was first coming on. We were looking at artists and we wanted something, of course, that would play well. It's a YA book and that would play well to a YA audience. And so we were looking at her artwork and it's so beautiful. She does tons of portraits, a lot of stuff that's inspired by films and TV shows. And she does wonderful likenesses, but she has this like very painterly style with the kind of like big eyes and soft hair, which is, I think, very inviting to young people. It's but it's still very grown up. And I think she's just very talented. Yeah. Totally uh, did you it. say the title of the book? Oh, it is called Marvel Powers of a Girl, and it's all about female superheroes. Yeah. And so you wrote like a, a bunch of are these stories, are these profiles? What are they? So I think a lot of people will call this an encyclopedia, which it's not, but it does profile many female superheroes. So it's called 65 women who punch the sky and change the universe. So what are some of the characters in the book? Because I'm sure you're going to have like Captain Marvel and you're going to have Ms. Marvel. A lot of the well-knowns are there some characters in there that you were like really like learning a lot about as you were putting this together? Uh, There always are characters. You know, it's interesting because Mantis has such a different story in the comic books than she does. And even in the later comic books than she does in her origins. And so diving back into her 60s origin, it's so weird and fun. Is the 60s Celestial Madonna stuff or is that later? Yeah. So the Celestial Madonna years, as we call them, not like the singer Madonna, but like she was the chosen one uh, where she married a psychic alien tree. 
then took the corporeal form of her dead boyfriend. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff that happened to Mantis, but she's also really badass and, like, a really tough warrior woman. Yeah, but, like, all that stuff, you know, marrying the, the tree and dead boyfriend, all relatable. All like, so relatable. So it's, that's us. That so, is us. Well, but she's also, like, in a great love triangle or a love quadrangle square love square <laughs> i um, love a, a love square i sort of love that she just mantis is looking for love in the 60s 70s but you know there are a lot of characters that you get to really really dive into but as for for characters that are in the book um i think one of the more surprising ones is mary jane a lot of people thought oh well why would mary jane be in she's not a superhero with quotes but she is such a superhero yeah. she's a ceo and i just really love that she has this spirit about her that especially in her early comics, and it continues now, like she got engaged and she goes to her bachelorette party and every man is like, marry me, Mary Jane, marry me. And she's like, nah, I'm just going to do me. I'm doing my life. And like Peter Parker proposed like two or three times. She's like, I don't know. I'm still working on myself. And I just like love that about her is that she wasn't like, oh, Peter, why won't you marry me? Tears crying. She was like, I'm living my life and I'm going to do what's best for me. So I've always thought that was really cool. Is Blonde Phantom in the book? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love yeah, Blonde she has, Phantom. Especially her relationship with She-Hulk, because She-Hulk and the Blonde Phantom were BFS when they worked for the DA. And so I love in the comics in the early 1980s when they draw Blonde Phantom, who is a character from the R of like 46, which yeah. is when she was created. And she's kind of like a Betty Boop-esque kind of drawing. Like it's that kind of art where she's really cute and curvy. And so she remains that way. And then She-Hulk is like volleyball babe like buff <laughs> and like tall and then there's like cutesy little blonde phantom i love that about the art yeah awesome i'm very excited uh where can fans pick up the book you guys can get it anywhere books are sold comic book stores your major bookstores go visit a local bookstore or even a comic book shop i mean hey why not or there's those online stores too or disneybooks.com yeah awesome very proud of you lorraine great Aww. job as always thank you guys all right now get out of here we got okay, a show bye. to do see you never so another really fun thing going on with Lorraine's Powers of a Girl is a social media campaign on Instagram. If you use the hashtag Powers of a Girl and you post a picture of yourself with your favorite superhero from Powers of a Girl, make sure to tag two women who inspire you. We really want to see your selfies. So go for it. I did mine. I picked Gwen Stacy and I tagged my aunt and her super daughter, my cousin Julia. Aww. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I always really dug Gwen Stacy because she's a real triumph of second acts. Nice. All right, so that was huge. That was wonderful. Very excited about that. We have so much more, though, this week. We've got news on Free Comic Book Day. According to FreeComicBookDay.com, it will be May 4th, 2019. So mark that date on your calendar and get ready to grab your copy of Free Comic Book Day Avengers Number 1 by Jason Aaron and Stefano Caselli, which, according to the press release, sets the stage of the main Avengers series just in time for Marvel's highly anticipated Avengers Endgame. Plus, that issue has a new story by Jerry Duggan and Mike Diodato creating one of the most dynamic and deadly versions of the Avengers you're ever going to see. I know this team. I know what's coming. It's very cool. Plus, there's going to be an Avengers button with art by Ed McGinnis. And we will also have a free comic book day Spider-Man Venom issue, which will have a Miles Morales and Peter Parker story by terrific Tom Taylor, sassy Saladin Ahmed, and... Cutie Pie Corey Smith? 
cutie pie Corey <laughs> Smith. He's going to love it. Uh, <laughs> along with a Venom story by Dangerous Donny Cates and Rugged Ryan Stegman. Uh, both of these will be huge, 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 huge stuff coming out of these stories. They are free. Everybody should go read them, even if you're not reading the regular books for these titles. Like, these are free comics. You should have them. They really didn't reveal a lot of details about Spider-Man Venom number one for free comic book day, but just the couple of words that I got to put in on the post from the press release, I mean, shocking, fantastic, epic. I'm excited. It's a lot of hyperbole, but it's all earned hyperbole when the story comes together and like the ramifications and what is to come later this year and then onwards. I'm very excited by it. Word. We've got not really hype, but a bit of news I wanted to share, which is that the upcoming season of Legion on FX will be its last. Our intrepid reporter, Mr. Eric Goldman, went to the press conference and got the info. I saw him tweeting it out, sharing it on Marvel.com. Also, this season will introduce David Haller's parents, Gabrielle Haller and Charles Xavier. <gasps> yeah, full details to come. And also, there's just a bunch of stories already on Marvel.com about this. Indeed. I am very excited about Harry Lloyd playing Professor X. Which is pretty cool. Which is very cool. I'm a big fan of his. He is a direct descendant of Charles Dickens. Yeah. Got a little bit of video game news this week that the Lego Marvel Collection comes to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on March 12th. And it includes Lego Marvel Super Heroes 1 and Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 and Lego Marvel's The Avengers. Plus all previously released DLC packs for the games, which means like all the stuff tied to the films and all the, all the characters and all the really cool stuff. It's going to be there in one awesome package. Uh, it's kind of perfect if you've ever missed out on these games. Super fun, especially because they all include some sort of cameo by me, which is obviously why you're going to play those games. What? Duh. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Are you a neat. playable character? No, sadly. I just show up in each game in, in various ways. Well, I hope you have your mug with you because I wouldn't be able to recognize you. Oh, you'll recognize me. I'm very excited. Yeah. And because we love you, we are doing our special This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club for February. And it's going to be so fun. It's going to be about the 1950s. And we've got four Atlas comics that Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sapolsky and I are going to talk about. That is up on Marvel Unlimited. So if you have the app... Let's go up on in there. You're going to see it. It's really easy to find. Uh, if you need a link for it, we'll put it in the news story here. It's on my Twitter. It's everywhere. We want your guys's guys's all of yours questions and comments using the hashtag twim URC. That's T-W-I-M-U-R-C. You can also email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com. But read these four comics. It's Tales of Suspense 1 and 9, Tales to Astonish 1 and 9. Uh, what you think about them, any questions you have, thoughts, all that good stuff. And me and CB will talk about them on that special episode, which is going to come out in just a couple weeks. And one last thing, uh, sadly, it's also about me. Our digital <laughs> series, Marvel Make Me a Hero, has a very special guest next week. Me! Oh, it's this weekend, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to lose it when you see my amazing hero. I can't wait for this. Real good. Can you give us any hints as to what your hero is all about? Zubaz. Do you know what Zubaz are? I used to know. Zubaz are wonderful, comfortable pants. Oh, that... they're the, the, the MC Hammer pants. Kind of like MC Hammer pants. They were created by wrestlers because wrestlers have big legs and butts and so the <laughs> no this is honest truth it, it, no i believe you they 
it's uncomfortable for them to put wallets and keys and stuff in their pants. So they would use fanny packs and they wanted comfortable pants that their legs weren't like squished in jeans. And so I love Zubas. And they were a fashion sensation in the early 90s. Yeah. I mean, they definitely came back. Yeah. This is going to be all the rage after this episode. So For some people, they never went away. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Check this out on Marvel.com and YouTube and social media and all that good stuff. And finally, before we get into our This Week in Marvel History section, uh, I want to give a big shout out to Sana Amanath, who is, of course, one of our amazing VPs here at Marvel. And uh, she works on character development. And she is co-host of Women of Marvel. She also was the intrepid reporter recently as she got to do a profile of Brie Larson in InStyle magazine. And it is terrific. It is really good. I've never read any of Sana's journalism before. And she just crushed it. She's so good. We are all super excited. But I know what you guys are excited about. You're excited about this week in Marvel history. Okay. I have been getting real deep in this stuff. Let's start. So we're going to talk about February 8th through February 14th. Across 80 years, uh, we're going to start, I think I put this correctly, in chronological order. February 8th, 1962, that date was the release of Fantastic Four number 4, which is the return of Namor to Marvel Comics, bringing him back. There's a wonderful panel where there's just the sequences. Johnny Storm is looking for Namor. He hears he's still alive, even though he's not been around for 20 years. And a guy, like a, a drunk guy, is like, oh, this is that guy over there. And there's a guy with a beard, and he's sitting there like, ugh. And oh, no. he's like, that's Namor. And he's like, what? And then Johnny burns off Namor's beard, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's him. It's so good. <laughs> that's one way to shave. Stanley, Jack Kirby, you got to read it. So good. One year later, February 12th, 1963, Amazing Spider-Man number two comes out. It's the first appearance of the Vulture. Mm. February 10th, 1966, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, the end of the Galactus trilogy in Fantastic Four number 50. It sounds like a weird thing, but it is such an important story. I had to include it in here. February 14th, 1967, Fantastic Four number 62 and the first appearance of Blastar, uh, who is recently in some comics we talked about on Marvel's The Pull List. It's another one by Jack and... Stan. February 8th, 1968, Marvell gets his solo debut in Captain Marvel number one by Roy Thomas and Gene Colan. He had shown up previously beforehand, but without all of that, we wouldn't be talking about a certain movie. So it's really, really neat. February 9th, 1982, the Fantastic Four roast by Fred Hembeck was released. It is very silly. We recently re-released it. It is a lot of fun to check out. It's on Marvel Unlimited. Fred has this really wild cartoon style and it's basically superheroes roasting the Fantastic Four. It's real that cute. sounds so meta and fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, that same day, February 9th, 1982, was the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon. And that was oh. in the pages of Incredible Hulk number 271 of all places. Did he start out like as a cute little character? He was then... he was kind of a cute character at the beginning. Okay. Uh, it, it gets real weird. There's clowns and weird animals and it's a whole thing in those early Rocket stories. February 11th, 1992, saw the release of Amazing Spider-Man number 361, which is really important because it's the first appearance of Carnage. That's a book that I remember reading as a kid. February 12th, 1992, the legendary X-Men arcade game first hit arcades. Uh, this news we get from the fantastic database at giantbomb.com. February 9th, 2000, saw the release of Punisher number one by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, which was part of Marvel Knights but is also commonly referred to as the, like, most people's favorite Punisher series. Ah. This is Welcome Back, Frank. Really important, and it is legitimately incredible, required reading if you are a Punisher fan. 
February 9th, 2005, the original Young Avengers series debuted by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. It introduced Wiccan, Hulkling, and so much more. It's great, great comic books. Uh, Steve Gerber sadly passed away on February 10th, 2008, at the age of 60 years old. Steve Gerber wrote nearly 300 stories for Marvel, most famously Howard the Duck, of which I'm wearing a T-shirt of right now. Very snazzy. Yeah, as well as work on The Defenders, Omega the Unknown, Man-Thing, She-Hulk, and tons more. He was very prolific at Marvel through the 1970s. He was also an editor for a time. But if you have any interest in Howard the Duck, for whatever reason, you need to read his original Howard stuff. It'll change you. It's so good. Uh, and then finally, the last one on my list is February 12th, 2016, the Deadpool movie hit theaters. And that's a huge freaking deal. I agree. Yeah. I can't believe that was three years ago. And that the last movie was just last year. Yeah. Where does the time go? I don't know. We're dying. All right. That's it for this week in Marvel history. Of course, there's lots more Marvel history on Marvel.com and Marvel social media. Check out all that stuff. I hope you guys dig them. And visit our landing page, marvel.com slash marvel 80th. Yeah, but we're talking about comics for this week in the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's Pull List. They include Avengers number 14, Daredevil number one, Killmonger number four, and Uncanny X-Men number 11. Very cool. Make sure you subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts and watch video versions on Marvel.com. As we talked about at the top of the show, we wanted to talk about romance comics this week uh, because, you know, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. But also, I've been doing so much research on the 1950s. The number of romance books and quote-unquote teen books, which included like your Millie the Model, your Tessie the Typist, your uh, Patsy Walker, all that stuff sort of fits into this realm. Uh, There's tons and tons of books. So I found out that Judy Stevens was bringing in Trina Robbins, who is a comic book historian, comic book creator, a wonderful woman with huge knowledge base for not just the comics featuring female characters, but all the amazing women who have created comics over the years. And we go through, she actually brought copies of the comics in oh how cool yeah and like looking at stuff from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s that she brought is the best it really is wonderful so she's amazing so listen now to a little bit about romance comics trina hello welcome thank you for sticking around with us thank you um one thing i always like to find out is you know when we have guests on the show what is your marvel origin story like what was the first Marvel book, whatever iteration we were in at that time that you remember picking up and reading? Well, it has to be Patsy Walker. I had a big sister, and she was reading Patsy Walker. So I read her comics. <laughs> Did you take good care of them? Um, I don't remember tearing them. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You've done, uh, of course, amazing work around feminism and female superheroes and women in comics. What motivated you to go in those directions? Well, my motivation was simply um, all the guys in the mainstream industry, the editors and publishers saying, girls don't read comics. Women never drew comics. And I knew that was not true, having been a girl and having read these comics. And my girlfriends did, too. You know, we used to read them and trade them. And I also knew that it wasn't true that women had never drawn comics. So I decided to prove it. And then do you have uh, some good books, some resources, some stuff that, you know, our fans who want to learn more dig into some of the history of, of, of this? Well, really all the resources are my books. I wrote a book 
specifically about girls' comics that was published by Chronicle Books. I think it was from nearly the late 90s, I believe. And, of course, it's way out of print, but you can find it on Amazon. And it was specifically about comics not necessarily by women, but comics for girls and women. And it was called From Girls to Girls, G-R-R-R-L-S. Yep. Also, of course, all of my books about women cartoonists. The last one is Pretty in Ink, and it's a definitive history of women cartoonists. And then my separate books about each separate woman cartoonist. I've written about Nell Brinkley, Tarpey Mills. I did a graphic novel about Lily Renee. I did a book called Babes in Arms about four women who drew comics during the war. So cool. Uh, so lots of great resources. But specifically, I wanted to have you on This Week in Marvel because I wanted to talk romance comics. And I've been yes, doing yes, yes. I've been doing all this research on on 50s Marvel, on on what you know became Atlas in, in the early part of the decade. And it was a big blind spot for me. And so as I was going through, I was like, oh my gosh, there are so many romance comics and so many of these, you know, teen comics. I wanted to share this list with you, see if I, I was as comprehensive as I hoped I could be. And I put them into two separate camps. The first one to me, just seemed very specifically romance-focused. And so I've got a big list. So you let me know if I miss anything oh, after sure. I list it. Best Love, Love Romances, Love Tales, Lovers, Miss America Magazine, which can kind of fit into our other one, Romance Tales, Girl Comics, which became Girl Confessions, My Own Romance, Love Adventures, Actual Confessions, Secret Story Romances, True Secrets, Stories of Romance, True Tales of Love, and The Romances of Nurse Helen Grant. And I was like blown away by all these. I think you've got them all. Yeah. So I, I, I picked those and those were great. Sadly, we have almost none of these available in reprints or in digital, which right. breaks my heart because you've brought some with you and I'm looking through them. And I'm like, people should be reading these. People should have access. They would be great in reprint for Yeah. Um, and so then that was the like more specific love and romance books. And then- Beyond that, we have all these wonderful comics starring major female characters. They seem to be a mix of humor and romance and these sort of Archie-ish stories. And so we've got Patsy Walker, Patsy and Hetty, Patsy and her pals. Patsy, superstar of the decade, without a question. She was. Millie the Model, Date with Millie, Hetty Wolf, Nellie the Nurse, My Friend Irma, Cindy Smith, Hetty of Hollywood, Delavision, which is one I would love to get my hands on. It's, it just sounds so fun and like the play on words and she seems so fun. Wendy Parker, Junior Miss, Kelly's, My Girl Pearl, Meet Miss Bliss, which there's a certain subsect of our fans will know that Meet Miss Bliss was then taken as a title of the TV show that would become Saved by the Bell. Patty Powers, Sherry the Showgirl, Showgirls, Kathy, all of these books were being published. Did in the you mention Tessie the Typist? You know, I did not have Tessie on Tessie here. the Typist. Yeah. You know, there was like this whole section of career girls. Nellie the Nurse, Tessie the Typist, Sherry the Showgirl. Why do you think Patsy was the one? Because at one point, I think she had three books with her name in the title, and then she was starring in at least one or two more at the same, concurrently being published in the 50s. And very briefly, she was also supposed to be the editor of Miss America Comics. <laughs> Which she was also starring yes. in. It's amazing. What, what about Patsy was so resonant? I guess she was like the typical teenager 
that, you know, mostly it was preteen girls who read these books. And they, they wanted to be typical teenagers. And, of course, the stories themselves, they're very peppy. They're very full of action. They're funny. The romance is very mild. It's all fighting over Buzz Sawyer. Buzz, was that his name? No. Buzz. Um, Buzz. Oh, it was just Buzz. I, I can't remember Buzz's last name. Doesn't matter. His name was Buzz. Buzz Sawyer was a wrestler. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. It was all just fighting you know, over Buzz, you know, and, and trying to get the right boyfriend for the... I mean, some of these stories are incredibly funny with them trying to get the right boyfriend for their parties and their dances. And they were so funny. And, you know, you had shared a bunch of art. And one of the things that I loved seeing, there was an ad that you shared with her, which showed off all the comics that were, quote, 14 reading, that were Junior Miss, Patsy Walker, Miss America, Teen, Nellie, Joker, Millie, Tessie, Willie, Cindy, Georgie, Frankie, Rusty, Oscar, Gay, Jeannie, and Margie. I I loved this ad because it was just like, Look at all these comics you could be reading right now. Yes. Do you know what do you know what year that was from? I think that's late 40s, mm. maybe 48 or 49. It's just what do you think the importance is of romance and teen comics to Marvel? Well, I mean when when Marvel was timely, they produced so many of them and they were so successful. Yeah, it, it's almost like we couldn't have, we couldn't be here if we didn't have those books keeping the company afloat and and making it so successful. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about the women who drew some of those stories. The art by, I think it was Pauline Loth Mm -hmm. and um, Ruth Atkinson were just incredible to me. Like if we saw their art in a comic that we published today, it would be beautiful. It would be just as up there. They were all very good. And they worked during the war and or just after the war. Because this was, this was when the guys were off fighting the war, and so they took their places at the drawing tables. And that was Ruth Atkinson, who drew the very first entire year of Patsy Walker, also drew the first Millie the Model, Fran Hopper, who contributed one story to each issue of that first year of Patsy Walker, Pauline Loth who drew Patsy Walker even before Patsy Walker comics because Patsy Walker first started, she originated in Miss America magazine. Man, that's just what you were saying earlier. Oh, girls don't read comics. Girls don't make comics. Of course they do. And they always have. Yes. It's amazing. Do you have favorites, particular stories or books or runs of, of these titles? I have particular stories that I just love. A couple of Patsy Walker stories where... Patsy's sorority, they're going to have a dance, and the girls have to ask the boys. So Patsy, of course, wants to ask Buzz. Oh, Buzz Baxter, that was There you go. She wants to ask Buzz, but of course, Hetty also wants to ask Buzz. And this one is so full of just running, running after Buzz, and then when they get there, the other one is there. And so they're pretending that nothing has happened because they want to get Buzz alone to invite him to the party. And finally, because they... Neither of them will let the other one be alone with Buzz. <laughs> Finally, the two of them, Patsy and Hetty, they decide, they say, okay, let's let Buzz pick who he's going to go with. And the loser, the one who he doesn't pick, has to do the other one's homework over the weekend. So they go to Buzz and they 
they give him this proposition, and he says, gee, you know, and Buzz is always so clueless, gee, that's nice of you girls, but I already accepted the invitation of, I don't remember her name, but she's the geeky girl yeah. who asked him first. <laughs> so in the last panel, you see Patsy and Hetty sitting there, and they're each grumbling, and they're each doing each other's homework. <laughs> and Hetty, she had her own books coming she out did. of Patsy. And the rivalry was, for what it was, it was just so fun, mm -hmm. so spirited. The energy out of those comics was tremendous. I think that's it. We're going to let you go because I know you've got to catch a flight. Check out Women of Marvel where you and Judy talk about all kinds of amazing stories and fun stuff. Uh, and for listeners, check out a new issue of Love Romances, which we're publishing as part of our 80th anniversary. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? Reprints? No, it, it, I wish it was reprints. It's new stories. So we've been doing this. We, we did um, like a horror title, uh, like Journey to Unknown Worlds. So old titles we're taking again doing new stories in that vein with a, a page of history some old covers so we're doing a romance one using love romances oh, as wonderful. the title yeah that'll come out february 20th oh great yeah it's really nice and hopefully uh, all this can spark some people and, and get them excited to check out some of the classics and all these books that you picked up you got them at conventions and you know People yeah, can find but, you these. know, when I got them at conventions, they were a whole lot cheaper than they are now. <laughs> sure. Well, dig around a little bit. Find some old comics. If you if you don't, I struggle with sometimes having folks understand the beauty of a comic from the 40s or 50s or 60s, the way it smells, the paper, the texture, everything about it. Like it's a different experience. Unfortunately, what also happens is when you take them out of their plastic bags, immediately little pieces of brown paper fall off and crumble on the oh, yeah. floor around you. Yep. That's why we need reprints. Yes. Thank you, Trina. Thank you. Okay, that was with Trina Robbins talking about romance comics. So cool. We're going to do our question of the week. Jamie, you just had a great question of the week, and it also ties into our main interview guests this week. Yes. We, Ryan and I, are asking you, who is your favorite Marvel couple? You can tweet your answers using the This Week in Marvel hashtag or email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or you can send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Yeah. So who is your favorite Marvel couple? Whew, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Cable and Deadpool. Cute. In my heart. What a They're couple of together. sweetie pies. I love those darlings. Yeah. I have no couple favorites, really, because I don't like love. I've, I've been reading Daredevil from the beginning, and there was a storyline where Foggy grew out a mustache because a woman wanted him to. Terrific. And then uh, they broke up, so we shaved it off. Wonderful. Which I'm thinking maybe comics readers didn't like the mustache and they needed an excuse for him to shave and, you know, breakups. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fortunately, our guests this week, they're together. I don't think they make each other do any weird shaving rituals, but I don't know. Or I don't know their lives. Yeah, or like end universes. Sure. And existence as we None know. of that. Uh, it is Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. They were very cute together. Uh, they are a pair of wrestlers for WWE and NXT. Uh, they've been working mostly apart on the indies for many years, uh, sort of forging their own paths, both very successful. He gave me tons of Disney World recommendations because they're big Disney nerds. They're big Marvel nerds. They're big toy nerds. They are having such a great time. 
Uh, they sound living. like a blast. They are. They really are. Let's now dive into the chat with Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Hey, John and Candace, how y'all doing? Hi, great. we're great. <laughs> One of the things I always like to start with is what are your Marvel origin stories? Like, how did each of you first get connected to the characters, the stories, like bed sheets or whatever it was, cartoons? What was it for each of you? Yeah, so for me, I can pinpoint I love Spider Man, the animated series, also X Men as well. So I was a big cartoon guy, but I also, as I went on and I got older, I used to always go to the convenience store and collect the comic books. And I'm recollecting them now, which is I have a huge Spider-Man the Animated Series toy collection in our living room. So that's a big that's a big one for me. That's the first one that pops into my head immediately where I just I fell in love with just that show and just everything about it. And from there, just spiraled like the comic books in there. But that was kind of the initial like, OK, like I, I love this. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had a bunch of boy cousins and not a lot of girl cousins. And so I tended to like get into a lot of more boy-type things than girl things, obviously. <laughs> That's how I got into wrestling. So um, they had X-Men figures. And it was hard for me because when I went to play with the boys, all of the figures were G.I. Joe or, like, Spider-Man. I'm like, but I'm a girl. <laughs> I can't play with these boys. But X-Men had female superheroes, and I was all about that. And um, I've come to find that with our Johnny and my relationship, the movies and just all things Marvel now have like created this cool little world for us to kind of escape to, yeah. especially with as hectic as things can be for us sometimes. Like it's nice to have that. It's like special. Yeah. Marvel if you special. if you go into our house, it is very <laughs> much so a child's living establishment. Yeah. Uh, I thought, yeah. I think I saw your Instagram like Christmas posts. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. just like toys. So like when we initially moved to Orlando, it was with Tommaso and we all lived together. Tommaso's uh, an adult. Tommaso is an adult. So when Tommaso moved out, it was Slowly. like the adult left. So like all the toys came out because like we had to be adults when he was there. But like when he was gone, it's like, oh, we're all free for all. So we got like glass cabinets or like. Yeah. There's a Star Lord helmet. There's an Iron Man helmet. There's the Infinity Gauntlet. There's a Black Panther helmet. Yeah, we got it uh, all. We got it all. I got Thor's hammer back in Cleveland. I got all my Marvel Legends out. I got all, like, got all my Spider-Man really the Animated fast. Series. Like, <laughs> got the Tri Spider up there. I got so much stuff. Right now, everywhere. right now we're we're saving money for a house big enough for all of our toys. Pretty much. That's the game plan. That's, that's <laughs> a great goal, though. Yeah. I wish I could do that. I live in New York. I have a very big apartment for New York, but it's still like. Most of my stuff is in storage. Yeah. Oh, That's why that like, we're going to go heart. to Cleveland eventually, where <laughs> Cleveland is not like New York, where you can get a very big house yeah. for a, not a lot of money. For not a lot of money, <laughs> with a very big toy room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favorite, like, the jewel in your crown? Oh, man. That's a tough one. That's tough. So I have, I have so many things that I'm very, uh, that I love. So, like, the first thing, I, I said that I had the Tri-Spider earlier, and, I like, that was the most memorable toy for me from Spider-Man the Animated Series was the Tri-Spider. I don't know why. I always remember playing with that as, as a kid. So I have that. But then I also have, like, I guess I, I have the complete Spider-Man the Animated Series collection, so I have every single toy from that. So that's kind of big for me. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Tri-Spider, I guess, is my, is my favorite right In now. box or out? In box. He uh, doesn't take anything out of the box unless it's like. I also had the. Oh, she got me for Christmas. I got the Daily Bugle playset. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's just going to stay in the box. So here's my thing. He's, no, uh, here's no. my thing. Here's this my is thing. The, he's the worst. I <laughs> am the an in box collector, but 
I believe, especially when you're dealing with older toys, like the artwork is part of the fun of the toy. So I can get it loose. I can get it like a, out of the package. But I feel like looking at it in the package is the cool thing. And here's my other thing. So you have the action figures, which are in the sealed cases, okay? I will leave those in there. But things like the Tri-Spider are things with a box you can open, but the box is still intact. I can take those out and display. It's a big thing. <laughs> he bought me for, what was it, my birthday? Yeah. He bought me a Ghostbuster fire trap that was in the box. In the box. So I took the trap out of the box, and he looked at me like I was insane because I'm trying to just play with the trap. But I'm like, I don't remember the box as a child. I remember the trap as a child. So why would I play to with the box? To be fair, though, no. to be fair, she also told me, and she kind of challenged me. She said, is, we saw the Ghostbuster trap somewhere on sale without the box. She's like, you would just never be able to find it in the box. I was like, ha. Ebay, come on. <laughs> I'll find it. I'll find it. took it. me two years to find a turtle com it is in true. the box. Turtle com two is. years. Oh, the like the little yeah. it was like shell yeah. it's shaped like a shell, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's I impossible. only like the, the turtle com is the, the coolest thing is one of the coolest things for me too, because I when I was a little kid, my parents used to play this they used to do the Christmas story bit where like you'd open up all your presents and then like the thing you wanted the most wouldn't be there. So you'd be like kind of disappointed you're like that's the thing i want the most but then you'd be like oh it's behind the tree oh it's freaking downstairs when you let the dog out oh it's like in one year it was like a hockey set that was like on my bunk bed then they're like oh santa fell asleep but like, oh, santa just sucks at his job i guess <laughs> really lazy he's, <laughs> really lazy he's tired so one year i was like you know what I just need no i want a turtle com i am not getting out of bed to start christmas morning unless i am guaranteed a turtle com is underneath that tree. And my parents had to be like, just come open your fucking present. <laughs> like, You're on. such a brat. <laughs> I can't even tell you, like, his mom and I stressed so much. And I asked her this Christmas, I said, does it really upset you that you're spending like three, four, five times the amount that you did when you bought this for him already in life? And yeah. now we have to do it again. I've heard of some parents, like some families that buy the kid a toy and like they'll buy two of them, one for them to open and one to keep. That's a but smart your dad move. did that with one thing. Yeah, the white tiger's order. Yeah, which I, so. but unfortunately, that was not the case for everything. No. So now I have stressful. Yeah, we have to buy it all over holidays again. and. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> now you, you finished your Spider-Man collection. Yes. You've gotten your your Ghost Trap. <laughs> what are the white whales for the collecting now? Like, if you've gotten the things that you've like needed to get, where do you yeah. go? Yeah. Well, so I'm, I I've been waiting to start the X-Men oh. toys for a while, but there's just so many of them. Like, I know once I go down that rabbit hole, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in these classic, like, in toy stores where they have old vintage toys in the boxes, just watching him stand in front of X-Men and Spider-Man, just that section alone, he stood there. I think we were there. I stand there a long time. We were there for an hour total. He probably stood there for 45 minutes of that hour. And it was a big store. And he just stood there looking through and at these figures. And I'm going, then I like, you saw them all. I'm pretty sure he knew exactly what they had. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, do I want to just get them all? Or do I want to just collect series three? Or do I want to just collect like a certain series of them? Because I know if I start down series one, but then I'm like, oh, there's also something I like from series three. Then at the end of the day, I got series one and series three here. I'm going to need to get series two. Like it's just, it's a, it's a big thing. So there's a lot going on in my brain right now when I'm yeah. <laughs> standing up yeah. looking at vintage toys. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, do you get to do this a lot when you're on the road or, uh, or when you're on the road, it's more like you've got your regimens of work. And stuff. so, <laughs> so like last, uh, yeah, last, last weekend or two weekends ago, yeah. we were on a, a NXT road trip. So we stopped at Walmart and we're in like a middle of nowhere, South Carolina. And uh, I, of course I'm, I'm going to go look at the toys. 
So I get to the toy section. I'm like, oh, like they had the Mysterio Marvel Legends, which I hadn't seen yet in store, like anywhere. I only saw it on Instagram. They had like the full Captain Marvel set, which I hadn't seen yet either. So I text her. I was like, oh, they got Legends here I haven't seen yet, but my bag is so packed full of like gear and things like that. It's much nicer when we travel together. So it's like so packed full. I was like. But I kind of I don't want to risk not seeing these ever again, and that's gonna always gonna live with me. Like, oh, I was in South Carolina in Walmart, and like now I'm never gonna see him again. Oh, the price is gonna skyrocket. Yeah, you well, never know. That happened with the Captain America shield. I it can't get it Captain for America anything shield. less than like six hundred bucks right yeah, now. I'm like, oh, we messed up. Yeah, the horror ones. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It was a horrible thing. But uh, we were at, we were saying. doing this uh, charity event at Give Kids the oh, World gosh. Village. In like uh, it's a it's great an, place. It's a great it's a place really in Orlando. Place. Like it's awesome. Like uh, it's super cool. It's called Give Kids the World Village, and like we kind of volunteer there a lot. And like we went back to where they kind of have like if, if kids are sick, like they give them like Halloween. They give, they give them, them a week of all the holidays. They give them a week of all it's the holidays because like you never know. You don't. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's such a fun place. They can have ice cream for breakfast. It's super cool. It's right by Disney. It's great. So we were there and we were in the back and like we were where all the toys were kept and we were stuffing pillows to kind of help out that way. And I look over and I see a Captain America shield, shield. like the 75th anniversary one. And I'm like, oh man, they got it over there. I was like, I wonder if we could just, just be like, buy it can we just them. buy it from this chair? <laughs> At least we were going to offer to buy it. Yeah, we we're, we're going to take like, it. Like, oh, I'm going to steal it from the thing. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, we'll give you something. They're so hard to find, like especially over the holidays. Yeah. And oh, and also to call back that story where I was at Walmart, I did end up buying. Yeah, he it. did. Get I him. bought the figures, and I walked onto the bus with all a- the big tough wrestlers with like the Marvel Legends. But then as soon as I did that, I walked on, and sudden, everyone was like, "Oh man, I should have, I should have went and saw the toys too." So everyone was like, "Oh, <laughs> I opened like Pandora's go. box where I was like, if, oh, we can we can get toys on this trip now." Oh, cool. If there's a toy section anywhere we go, oh, I'm gonna go see he it. He goes to the toy section. Oh, I'm gonna go see it. Yeah. But how'd you guys get into wrestling itself? Like, how did you get into the business? Oh, man. Man. So wrestling is kind of like superheroes brought to life. And like I've always been a big fan of superheroes and stuff. And for me, I was big into Power Rangers, big into Ninja Turtles, big into Marvel stuff, big into Batman. Like all, all, any superheroes. Larger than life. Larger than life characters, I guess, is the right way to put it. And for me, like the first time I saw Shawn Michaels, seeing Shawn Michaels and seeing a guy who like kind of came out and danced around and did like these large in life <laughs> things and like did all these crazy athletic stuff but he was like kind of a smaller guy too and he just had so much charisma and like it was just it, that's what made me be like oh wow this yeah. is super cool and like I was really lucky my dad knew I was a wrestling fan and like an independent promotion approached him and said hey like we want to run a show in your back parking lot and my dad was like oh yeah my son loves wrestling like that'd be awesome so like, they, mind you, this isn't like a back parking lot of their house. Like it's a restaurant. Yeah. It's like it's a parking lot. Hang on a yeah. second. Painting it's not picture. like a <laughs> it's a parking lot filled with gravel. I guess yeah. it's a bigger. It's a place. restaurant. It's a it's good a size catering yeah. company. Yeah, they were like, oh, do you want to let your your son get in the ring? And like, I was like, oh man, that's amazing. So my mom used to make me all these outfits all the time. Like I have Shawn Michaels outfits, and like she used to make me like my own outfit. I was Jag. That was my name. That was really cool. Uh, <laughs> Are you trying to convince yourself yeah. right now? <laughs> that was really cool. Finishing move was the Jagged Rock. It was awesome. Oh, man. Uh, oh my <laughs> Getting God. inventive at an early age. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Jagged Rock, Jagplex, anything you put Jag in front of. I think that there was, was like you... a j- Jagitude adjustment, which doesn't oh, really make sense. I like it, though. I got to force that one a little bit. But it's close enough. What it's year like is this? 96, 97. How old were you? Probably like eight or nine. I got to get in the ring when I was like eight, nine years old and like kind of roll around and 
do things That's like, like the that. opposite of what my dad wanted for my life because <laughs> my dad was against me doing it because I'm his only daughter and I have two brothers and I'm the middle kid. And this was like the last thing he wanted me to do. He was so scared. I mean, it was to the point where I wanted to train so badly and he would not let me go and like do this at a school. But my older brother and a friend, they like had bought a wrestling ring and they put it in our backyard and then they would bring people from the school that I wanted to go to anyway to come there so that my dad could like see me, which was only about close to a year. And then I turned 18 and I was like, okay, all I'm an adult now. <laughs> you can't tell me how to live my life. But it's taken him some time. But now my dad like totally loves this. I mean, he's been to how many takeovers now? Like three now. He's coming yeah. to like three takeovers. They, my, my parents, like apparently it's uncommon type relationship where our families get along great. We and do. we get along with our in-laws great. So my parents and... His mom all booked their flights together so they could arrive at the same time so that they could go to the show together. It's adorable. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what were your – so you got started a little bit. What were your paths to WWE? So I had – you never did any extra work, right? No. You never did any extra no. work. For Marvel I, listeners, explain what, what Okay, extra, extra work. work is like – so you're not contracted by WWE. You're like an independent talent that they bring in to do – like spot roles, I guess. So like they have a Whenever role to like fill. When they're in your town. When they're in your town, they have a role to fill. Sometimes like uh, a security guard yes. or, you know, a, a someone who gets beat medic up. Or, or a medic. medic. Yeah. Yeah. Or in my case, the first time I did it, a SmackDown was in Cleveland. And I went to the training center where I was, I guess, kind of helping train people. I was only like 17, 18 at the time. But all the other students were at SmackDown. I wasn't at SmackDown. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go train. I'm not going to go to the show. And I'm just laying in the ring waiting for someone to show up. And I fall asleep. <laughs> and I wake up to the sound of my mom running down the steps in the the training center. Yelling, Johnny, Johnny, you're going to be on SmackDown. You're going to be on SmackDown. I'm like, what? I'm waking. I'm like halfway. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this, is this a dream? Because I was asleep. So she, I didn't answer my phone because she tried to call me a million <laughs> times. So my trainer, the WWE people knew he like he ran a local training center. They called him and said, hey, do you have anyone that fits this kind of size, this height, size area? And he's like, oh, yeah, Johnny could definitely do it. So, like, they're like, okay, you need to get down there immediately. This is, like, 5 p.m. The show goes on air at, like, 8. Normally, you get there, like, noon. So, it's, like, five hours later. I'm sure they just, like, wrote this in late into the show. I grab my gear bag and, like, I pull up to, I guess it was Gundarina at that time. And I have no idea, like, where... My mom drops me off in the front of the gun arena. I have no idea, like, where do I go? Like, what door do I go in? So I go in, like, the front door where all the fans are going in. I'm like, I'm going to... I think I'm wrestling on this show tonight. Oh, Can I get in? They're like, uh, yeah, sure. So they let me in. Wow. Uh, they let me wow, in. I had a, I had a bag. So I guess they're like, oh, this guy must be official. He's got a rolling why, why bag. Why would he... Why else uh, would you bring a bag like that? Yeah, why else? So I get there. The agent meets me, and he takes me down to meet MVP, who I was uh, working with that night. And uh, we talk about stuff. It's really quick. Like, he's going to kick me, do whatever, and that's it. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, you went over everything. Now let's take you to wardrobe. I'm like, wardrobe? That's weird. I brought my own gear. I don't need wardrobe. So they take me over to this wardrobe area. Like, at the time, all the divas are changing in this area. And, like, here I am, just 17-year-old, chubby little Johnny Gargano. And they're like, okay, here's what you're wearing. And they bring out... This almost Keebler elf looking outfit. And they're like, your name is going to be Cedric Von Hausen. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Sounds great. So I put the wardrobe on. They're like, oh, great. You look great, man. Great. Now we're going to take you to Vince's office. And I'm like, 
oh no, <laughs> this is crazy. So they take me to Vince's office, and it's kind of like a a movie where I walk in and his chair is turned to me. He's got like a big chair. <laughs> and, and for the Marvel fan, this is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon Everybody yes. knows Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon but I just want to make yep. sure the like, boss following along. Yes. Uh, so I walk in and his back is turned to me, and he's in a big chair, and I'm kind of sitting standing there in an elf costume. <laughs> It is the real life. And he turns to me and he has a newspaper in front of him. Turns to me. Yep. (laughs) And he has a newspaper in front of the face that he slowly lowers, looks at me, he's like, Looks great. Thank you for doing this. And I'm like, You're welcome. (laughs) So I go, I have the match, I do it, everything's fine. I come in the back and uh, Vince McMahon looks at me, he says, Good job, kid. And I'm like, Sweet. And that I was from there. I probably I guess I could have retired because I got like a good job, kid from Vince McMahon. Yeah. yeah, that was my first taste of WWE. I didn't get signed until <laughs> like uh, I was like, quite a few years. Maybe later. ten? No, mm-hmm. more like a, yeah. twelve years later. Wow. Yeah, yeah, twelve years after that, yeah. I got signed and doing a lot of independence and all around. Yeah, the world so I that. yeah, just like her, like we I did independence all over the world. Yeah. I, I I wrestled in Japan, Germany, England. All over the place. Yeah, I, I I remember seeing a picture of you, Candace, like face covered in blood. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like this. Yeah, yeah. That was my scariest uh, gamble in life. <laughs> that was the night I met your your my, brother, my younger brother. That was the yep. first time. I think it was the first time I kind of met one of members of her family. Yeah, was after that happened. Yeah. So she, we went out to an IHOP. Wild roller coaster that night. It was okay. Okay. First of all. We go out to eat after, and I brought stuff to clean myself up, and but, like, my face was clean, but I obviously had all these, like, holes in my head, like, actual little tiny holes in my head from the thumbtacks, and I'm all, okay, well, that's probably fine. I have a headband. Maybe it can cover a little bit, and the spot that was bleeding, I'll cover that up, but I didn't think about the fact that, like, oh, I didn't shower, and we just had a match where I bled everywhere. And then we go out to eat, and this poor waitress looks mortified. Like, she does not want to be waiting on me. She just wants to leave. She wants us to get our food and just be on our way. And I went the entire night, the whole time. Nobody said anything to me. These people that I thought were my friends and family said nothing. (laughs) I get back to the hotel, and I go in the bathroom to take a shower and finally wash my hair. And I hear this, like, on the shower floor. And I'm like, oh, what was that? I look down. And there's gummy bears falling out of my hair. I'm like, good. Thanks, guys. Thank you for not telling me that I had gummy bears <laughs> stuck in my hair. That seems but about right. It's my. It's what I'm going for, I guess, now. Yeah. Just gummy bear hair. <laughs> my, I have a degree in journalism, and uh, I did my, like, final thesis project, whatever it was. It was a photojournalism project on independent wrestling. And so I don't even remember. It was a very small show, and, like, upstate New York was one of them. And then another one at the... It was I don't know what it was called, but it was ECW Arena. Whatever show it was, the fans decided they wanted to recreate ECW stuff really oh, intensely. No. I think it was like C- might have been CZW Probably, or something. Yeah, that and so about right. it was yeah. like chairs in the ring. Yeah. Ooh, they were throwing the chairs, and yeah. I, the the promoter was really like, do whatever you want. And so I'm on the on the ring, like on the floor, oh. but on the apron taking photos and stuff like that. And so it's thumbtacks first. So I have thumbtacks all in my, oh, and no. I'm just, you know, just some 21 yeah. year old, like what is, <laughs> like I love wrestling. And then it, they were all in my boots and everything. Oh, yeah. And then the, the chairs start coming in and I had to <gasps> duck under because you could get hurt. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's real bad. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just the ba- I love wrestling, <laughs> man. It's so good. What a crazy like. <laughs> it's fun. And I know you you had a great tag team with Joey Ryan, yes, a lot of yes. fun. Have you guys ever teamed together? Yes. We've teamed together. We've wrestled each other. I think we've wrestled each other more than we've teamed, teamed together. together. Yeah. 
We're very competitive people. <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah, we've teamed together. We teamed together a lot more in NXT than we did, I guess, on the on Indies. Indies. Have we yeah. ever teamed together on the Indies? Mm. Maybe like once or twice. I was to say we we're probably in some random. Yeah. Your last match, we technically. Yeah, last my last independent yeah. match, we technically did team because I made it a point to do that. But yeah, I think we team more in NXT now than we did yeah. on the Indies. Her and Joey were more of a thing, yeah. and me, I guess, by myself. Yeah. <laughs> world's cutest couple was that? Yeah. Or, or world's tag team? World's, world's cutest, cutest tag, tag team. team. Yeah, I guess we could be we world's, were cutest the world's cutest couple. Yeah, I guess it's really. pretty accurate. Right. You guys are very adorable. I just like I'm a very um, I'm a stubborn person, and I always feel like, especially while we were on the indies, I felt like it was very important for him to keep his name, and he worked hard for that. And I didn't want to like once we started dating, I didn't want anybody to. Be like, oh, by association. So I'm like, he has his career, and then I worked hard for my career, so I want to keep that. That's why, partly why, like, I didn't change my name to Candice Gargano. And when I was even doing the May Young Classic, I kind of worried. I was like, oh, if they ask no, me, we didn't want that. Like, I <laughs> because we both worked so hard for our yeah. own careers, and he should be Johnny Gargano, and I should be Candice LeRae because that's what we worked for. Yep. Yeah, some really fun stuff there. Uh, yeah. Listeners definitely. Check it out. There's a lot of stuff you could find on YouTube in various yeah. different places. Some really neat stuff. Well, thank you guys for coming in. We're going to do the tour. Yeah. Uh, Sweet. You're the best. Sweet. No, thank thanks, you. dude. Thanks for having us. Big thanks to Johnny and Candace. Uh, we had been working on this for two years. It happened. It was fabulous. It's really good stuff. See, I love a great couple. I know many of them. You're one half of a great couple. I just want no part of it right now. Fair. I understand completely. I also understand our awesome community, and we got some tweets to read. First up is from Teresa Lynn. She says, just ordered my copy. Can't wait for it to get here. Thanks for the reminder. And this is in reference to Powers of a Girl, Lorraine's book, which is super cool. Awesome. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, Hopefully you can get Lorraine to sign it for you at some point. Brad at Stop the BS has an answer to last week's question of the week, which was which of the 10 realms? What was the question? Which of the 10 realms is your favorite? Look, we record a lot of episodes. It's hard to remember our amazing questions. You guys are doing the best work in answering them. Thank you. Thank you for reading the question and then answering them so we can forget what we asked you. (laughs) (laughs) But we know it was about the 10 realms in celebration of the War of the Realms event that's coming up in April. And Brad says, I would probably pick... Alfheim and hang with the light elves. They seem like a peaceful sort. Probably why they got rolled over by Malekith. I know. Poor Such light elves. He also says to Agent M, I feel you might be responsible, at least partly, for sexy Namor appearing in Marvel Puzzle Quest. If my legacy is that more people appreciate sexy Namor, then I will happily take it. Ah, Namor. He's the best. Anyway, uh, up next we have Genghis Galahad saying, kudos, Agent M and Will, now in my ear. Hashtag War of the Realms, hashtag Marvel Comics. I went from, wow, awesome panoramic art to, oh, Malekith? Then you mentioned Niflheim, and then I'm all like, oh, that's going to be cool. Plus, Jason Aaron does hashtag Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, you got to hashtag that Conan the Barbarian. It's real good. Yeah, I'm glad you got so excited because I'm so excited. We're all so excited. The excitement train rolls on. And Karis Pollard says, The outstanding, well-deserved This Week in Marvel of the Week goes to Unstoppable Wasp. After some relatively light scene-setting issues, this week takes us deep into a really emotional, interesting place that left me hurting for everyone and wanting to distribute hugs. Aw, yeah. 
Yeah, lots of feelings. It's a good comic if it makes you feel some feelings. Yeah. Karis is doing something that I would welcome anyone else to. Uh, I know Simon Williams was doing it for a long time. Let us know what your This Week in Marvel of the Week is, your Twim of the Week, your favorite book that you read that week. It could be an old book. It could be a current book. But I love hearing that. You can always use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Let us know. And then finally, Lindsay Root says, why do we rarely see Spider-Man in the snow? How would he scale your building if the snow was blowing up and sideways? Are spiders able to cling to frozen surfaces? Would he get cold in his suit? Does Spider-Man have winter hero clothes? These are these incredible are questions. Hard-hitting questions. Yeah. So why do we see ra- rarely see Spider-Man in the snow? I can picture a number of stories of him in the snow, but, I mean, that suit isn't that insulated yeah it's not the heaviest material no. unless it's like some secret sciencey material we're unaware of but other than that it just seems like it's you know your your typical lycra lycra is not very warm yeah and so the question about how would he scale the building if snow was blowing up and sideways he would still have places on the building that weren't completely covered like a size of buildings rarely get fully covered in white snow, like I think. So he would be able to make that. And I also think, yeah, spiders probably do cling to frozen surfaces. I've seen them on windshields and cars and stuff like that. They very strong. Oh, yeah. And remember, Spider-Man has the proportionate strength of a spider. So right. it just, he makes his ability to stick even stronger. Would he get cold in a suit? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he'd get kind of cold, but I would love to see like a Spider-Man wearing a knit hat and mittens and snowshoes. Yeah, I'm sure he's got something that he puts on. Uh, that does sound like a like a, a toy from the '90s, like Spider-Man Winter version. And he's like all <laughs> cute and, and with his snow gear. Spider-Man the Winter Soldier. Oh, let's see it. Yeah, except he's got both of his arms because he's <laughs> not actually Bucky. Except that might be a really good Infinity Warp. Could be. If that could ever be. happens again. All right, Lindsay, that was a great question. Thank you for submitting it. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for being a part of the show. We'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jamie. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.